Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Episode 13, Jude 12. These are in your love feasts, craggy rocks, feasting together with you, without fear, shepherding themselves, clouds without water, by winds carried about, trees autumnal, without fruit, twice dead, rooted up, Wild waves of a sea, foaming out their own shame. Stars wandering, to whom the gloom of the darkness to this age hath been kept. In our last podcast, we addressed the first item in the twelfth triad, craggy rocks. But there are two more, including shepherding themselves and clouds without water. Let's pick up with shepherding themselves. The second statement in triad 12 speaks of these teachers shepherding themselves without fear. The implication is that they are without the fear of Yahweh. The fear of Yahweh is one of the most powerful biblical concepts. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of Yahweh is to hate all evil. The fear of Yahweh is pure and prolongs life, for it is a fountain of life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. In the fear of Yahweh, there is strong confidence, for it is the instruction for wisdom. But fools despise wisdom. These teachers, these dreamers are fools, for they do not allow themselves to be shepherded by wisdom and knowledge, by the fear of Yahweh. Rather, without fear, they shepherd themselves. The idea here is not that they are lone rangers who do not have some sort of ministry oversight, but that they do not let Yahweh be their shepherd, and the word of God is not their ultimate authority. One of God's names is Yahweh Ra, our great and good shepherd. By his name, he is responsible for all those in his household. He leads them and guides them where he wants. Sometimes it is down a path of darkness and calamity, literally evil, and at other times, light and well-being, literally peace. Either way, he is the one who does it, for he is Yahweh and there is no other. But these apostates do not care for the way Yahweh Ra leads their lives. Therefore, without the fear of Yahweh, they do what they want, rebelliously acting as if they are the Lord of their own life. They arrogantly believe that they have the wisdom to direct their own steps. The irony is that even in their choosing their own paths, they are subject to the sovereignty of Yahweh Ra, as he supports and cements them in their decision. Surprisingly, Yahweh is quite emotional when it comes to this issue. He says in Psalm 32, 8-9, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Isaiah 29, 13 through 14. These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. Because of this, I will do wonders among these hypocrites. I will show that human wisdom is foolish and even the most brilliant people lack understanding. Isaiah 50, 11. But watch out. 
you who live in your own light and warm yourself by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon lie down in great torment. Now, that is quite a reward for self-shepherding. Torment experienced in the here and now and torment for all eternity. Accordingly, Yahweh gives us this warning. Don't waste your breath on fools, for they will despise the wisest advice. Commit yourself to instruction. Attune your ears to hear words of knowledge. Get the truth and don't ever sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and discernment. Thus, we must not be deceived by a flurry of religious activity. Just because a person goes to church and to prayer meetings, is involved in small groups, and frequently uses their giftedness in ministry, or even leads a ministry and perhaps has a global platform, it does not mean that their heart is towards Yahweh. It all comes down to whether in practice they play God over their own lives, or whether they fear Yahweh and embrace the pathways down which Yahweh Ra leads them. Therefore, we are to keep our eyes open, we are to be vigilant, and we are to look out for each other. If we see someone starting to rely on their own wisdom and and begin playing God of their own life, notwithstanding their religious activity done in the name of Jesus, we're to jump in the way and make a scene. Who knows, maybe they will repent, or maybe they will not, but at least we can help protect others who might otherwise be hurt by their decisions. Moreover, if they choose to walk their own way according to their own wisdom, we need to let them go. As painful as it is, we cannot force them to want God. We must trust God with them. But what we cannot do is be tolerant of their ways, as it will infect others and wreak destruction, as lives will be crashed against the craggy rocks. There is one final thing to mention about those who shepherd themselves and are in positions of leadership responsible to shepherd others. The judgment which God will bring into their lives is nothing short of terrifying. Read Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 through 31, chapter 23, verses 9 through 40. And chapter 24, Ezekiel chapter 11, and chapter 34. It's not pretty. Clouds without water. The final phrase in this 12th triad says, clouds without water by winds carried about. Have you met a person who always moves from one religious gimmick to another? In fact, I've noticed that the religion of Christianity seems to mutate and morph quite frequently over the years. It's as if Christians are on a perpetual pursuit to try to find in their own lives the right formula to experiencing the peace and rest of God, for real this time, and the right means to save the world for Christ. It's all a twisted sort of Christian alchemy or witchcraft. What is fascinating is that these empty clouds are carried or driven by winds. In the Bible, the winds are a metaphor for angels, and in this instance, deceptive demonic angels. The new winds of doctrine, the clouds, which are transient, coming and going, are demonically inspired. The most recent clouds without water driven by winds seems to be the emerging church, the emphasis on experiencing God, on social justice, tolerance, and societal osmosis, on having a subjective and flexible faith, and finding fulfillment in serving those less privileged. But since these clouds are mere inventions of instinctual religious wisdom, even though some of which are rooted in sound biblical ideals and principles, they always end up wanting, empty, and rarely fulfilling what they promise. People start off all gung-ho, and they give it their best ministry shot, and they are excited when they see God move and mercifully do things in the lives of those they serve. But when it does not satisfy that hole that still aches within them, 
Something else new has to be invented to once again try to reach God and ease their pain. I guess the consolation is that if what they tried did not work, they just need to wait around for a few years until something else, some new movement, is blown in by the wind and becomes the rage. This is what is captured in the phrase, by winds carried about. It communicates to us the continual churning of the religion of Christianity as clouds come and go and promise everything but deliver nothing. This cycle has been going on throughout the ages. Many of us have been through several of those churns and have tried our best to find God and to do it right in order that we might finally experience his promise of peace and rest. Thankfully, at least for me, every single time I hit the wall of my own humanity. Living by this sort of Christian alchemy keeps a person busy for sure, but that person builds their life on a false sense of hope that ironically leads them and others to hopelessness and ultimately tempts them with apostasy. Clouds without water. What an amazing word picture. The idea is that we see clouds coming. We have great expectations for rain, provision, refreshment, satisfaction, shade even. And we have great hope for life. After all, we desperately need what they are promising. But they do not deliver. And they cannot deliver because they are dry. They have nothing to give. They look legitimate and they act legitimate. So much so that we are convinced that this time we will finally be drenched in rain. But our hope is in vain. It is time that we wake up and understand that there is no magical solution to experiencing God. There is nothing we can do for him to reach him. We simply cannot ascend the mountain, no matter how hard or how long we climb or how much we do. Jesus may be experienced, but he is not known through our acts of service, worship, or sacrifice. He is known by his name. God charts out the pathway to knowing him, and it requires our willingness to be enrolled in the school known as Pain Central. Once enrolled, He wages war against us as he desires to eliminate the enemies in our soul that refuse to let him be our I am, teaching us how to capture and destroy every lofty thought that raises itself up against the true knowledge of God. Pain Central, the school, it's so uncomfortable, painful, and difficult that many choose to drop out of the school. But for those who remain, class after class, we learn why we can trust ourselves to Yahweh and why it is the least risky of all options, despite the war he wages. And then when we start to pass those classes, he instructs us how to bet our lives on the character and nature of Yahweh, how to bet our lives on his name, deciding once and for all that we are not God and can never be God of our own life. No one graduates from Payne Central unless they risk everything to follow him. For if anyone comes to Jesus and does not hate their own life, They cannot be his disciple because he will not let them. In fact, to graduate Pain Central, a person must be willing to carry his own cross and come after him, after Jesus. In other words, the journey must be volitional and they must choose an intentional path of death so that the design point can be realized in their life. The design point is the theme of every graduation, every ceremony as each graduate stands up before the great audience of witnesses in the heavenly realms, the angels and the demons, and declares, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus is found through our now and continually believing with our heart, mind, soul, and strength in our abject neediness. Hence, our choosing to now live like a little baby child who is helpless and must depend on Yahweh for all things all the time. Graduates of Payne Central learn to turn to Yahweh and only to Him for everything. Fiction alert! You may not be aware, but digging down deep in your soul and choosing to live like a little child is a baseline requirement for salvation and for entry into the kingdom of God as a son of God. Salvation does not come merely by way of saying the sinner's prayer and being born again. That has been one of the biggest lies perpetuated on evangelical Christianity and which has set up many for apostasy. Jesus made this clear when he said in Matthew 18, verse 3 through 4, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Conversion, being born again, is the first step in salvation, but it is not the only step. Conversion is done by God, as converted is rendered in the aorist passive subjunctive, and that takes place when we ask Yahweh into our lives. But as with all things between us and God, there is the element of choice where we must choose to now and continually be believing. This choice is spelled out so clearly in John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who now and continually believed in his name, he gave the right or the power to choose to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Clearly, we do not automatically become children of God when we believe, or the Spirit would have used the present tense and said that they are children of God. But to those who now and continually believe, they are given the right and the power to dig down deep in their soul and choose to become children of God. It is a choice. Moreover, become like children is rendered in the aorist middle subjunctive. Hence, a person must dig down deep in their soul. That's the use of the middle voice. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, decide to live as if they are dependent upon Yahweh and his name for all things, all the time. Hence the aorist tense. And it is rendered in the subjunctive because there is an uncertainty and a dependency to this decision. Because not all people make this choice to have their lives identified by complete 100% dependence upon God in the same way that a little child depends upon their parents. And just to make the point, the Greek word translated children refers to a little child who is entirely dependent upon their parents for provision. We are given the power and we are given the choice, but we must choose to exercise that power and that choice to be a child of God. The notion of choosing to become like a little child is not something we can do in a day. It's not an instantaneous process, at least not for most people. Hence the need for pain central. In his wisdom and in his timing, Yahweh takes us down a path of learning what it means to believe in his name and teaches us why we can believe in his name and how to believe in his name. And if we have ears to hear what he is instructing us in each classroom lesson, we will grow independence upon him in 
all areas of our life, just like a little bitty child. Think about each of his names, Yahweh Adonai, Nisi, Ra, Rafa, Shema, Sidkenu, Mekodeshkim, Kana, Jaira, Shalom, Sabaoth, Yasha. Each name applies to a critical aspect of our lives in which he wants us to know him fully and to trust him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, with our entire being. This is the pathway to salvation, not just saying a prayer. Salvation is all about knowing Yahweh personally, by name, for by his name, he sets us free and delivers us from all that now and continually opposes him being our I am. A little side note, if you did not follow our fourth season, Jesus Has a Name, all the podcasts can be found at our website, threshermediagroup.com. This fourth season takes a deep dive into each name, helping us know who he says he is, why we can trust him, and a bit on how we can trust him. With that said, we must stop chasing apparitions, those empty clouds. And we must remember that the obedience of God is merely to be willing to let him cause us to trust ourselves to him. The willingness to believe him. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So whether it is a person who comes forward with a new promise, a new method, a new discipline, or new means to experiencing God, or even if the entire direction of the religion of Christianity shifts and pivots to the next best thing, we must not follow the empty clouds, for the winds will soon push them away. We must stay fixated on living in abject neediness for Yahweh all the time in everything, for this is how we live by His grace. Obviously, this means we must personally know Him and know how He speaks into our life and how He leads us. And there is no shortcut to knowing God in this manner. This is a big part of the instruction in Pain Central. Hence, we must never mistake knowing about Yahweh with truly knowing him through dependence upon his name. The true knowledge of God begins when by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to let him be our I am. Regardless of our circumstances, despite our feelings about our circumstances, and despite his apparent intangibility and distance during our circumstances. I say apparent because Yahweh Shema is always there, for he never leaves us nor forsakes us, which is why we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Clearly, this means we must know why we can trust ourselves to God. The why is the crux of faith. After all, most of our life's circumstances militate or fight against our trusting him. As a result, few know why Yahweh Ra has led them down the difficult path that Yahweh Adonai and Yahweh Mekoreshkim has deemed necessary for their lives. And even fewer believe that each and every step was not just necessary, but good, pleasing, and perfect. Once we come to understand why we can trust Him, the Spirit will lead us to the next step, the how to trust ourselves to Him, how to bet our lives on His most glorious name. But again, we must stop looking for these empty clouds that are driven by the winds of deceit. In our next podcast, we will finish with the remaining phrase in Jude 12 and 13. And then we will skip Jude 14 and 15 and instead pick up in Jude 16. We most definitely will go back to Jude 14 and 15, but that will be in the subsequent podcast. 
to get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in.